Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. DJ Tony Duff. She gonna take care of her bitch. She trucking. She trucking. She a woman with a rig. She trucking. She trucking. She gon' take care of her kids, she truckin', yeah. She a bossy do it big, she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin'. She a bossy do it big, she truckin', she truckin'. She a woman with a rig, she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin', she truckin'. Ah. And my name is Tamara Spivey, and thank you for joining us this evening. And I am an admin here in She Trucking, a phenomenal sisterhood of female truckers on Facebook and IG. And you can also catch me on Sister Blogging on Wheels and Facebook, excuse me, on Facebook and IG. Tonight, my guest is going to be Gabrielle excuse me, Simmons a real estate investor, and also a truck driver. Tonight, we're going to be talking to her about her, excuse me, her investments, and also we're going to be talking about her career as a truck driver. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Gabrielle in, and she's going to introduce herself further. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on the podcast tonight. Uh, for everyone who's listening, this is Gabrielle Simmons. I am an over-the-road trucker and also uh, do some real estate investing, as mentioned. So looking forward to diving more into that with you guys tonight. All right, good. And thank you for coming on, Gabrielle. You know, as we've uh, talked before, I just am very impressed with the things that you've been doing and also with your trucking career. So let me ask you, you know, exactly um, how did you get to trucking? What's, what's the beginning? What were you doing right before trucking and then go into trucking? Sure. Um, before I got into trucking, I actually worked in the home remodel industry uh, for about four years, uh, mostly in, kitchen and bathroom remodeling, uh, mainly focused on countertops and cabinets. Um, and, and there I did everything from sales to actually fabricating and installing countertops. Um, I really enjoyed that line of work uh, for a while, but 
Uh, I actually had a friend who wanted nothing more than to become a truck driver. Um, So I helped him actually buy his own truck and go on the road. Uh, We went on the road together. I was 18 at the time, so I was too young to drive. Um, But I went on the road and got to experience everything and just fell in love. Okay. All right. Um, Wow. So at 18, you were able to uh, sow a seed into somebody else's dream. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's great. So (laughs) once you, once you got on the road the very first time with him, like how, I mean, was it instant love or, you know, were you like, okay, why does he really just want to drive around the country? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was a little more of like, you know, what's the appeal? I don't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely was a new world. I had I had only ever left home like twice before that, um, you know, le- leaving uh, the state of Colorado where I'm from. So it, okay. it was very new. It was very new. But um, I'd say probably after the first couple weeks, I just fell in love with the travel aspect of trucking getting to go different places and meet new people all the time. Okay, cool. Cool. So was was that the the thing that intrigued you or or what really pushed you over the edge from leaving um what you were doing to getting into trucking? Uh you know, it was the I was actually managing all of his his business um, as an owner-operator, so I was able to see the amount of money he was making, you know, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. you make that much from just driving the truck, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And uh, it it definitely appealed to me in that sense, but also just I feel like I'm a gypsy at heart, so – even though it wasn't until years later that I actually made the jump. Um, so that was at 18. It wasn't until I was 23 that I actually quit my job and went to trucking school. But during that whole period of time, just the gypsy in me was like, I just want to be out. I want to go roam. You know, I want to experience more and do something different. So I, I just finally did. Okay. And so how long ago was that? Because you look like you're 23 now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 25. I've only been driving for two and a half years now total. Okay. And and that's the most impressive, um, that's the most impressive part of millennials. Millennials are not, you guys are not taking um, you guys are not necessarily just waiting to a certain period of time. You guys are like, screw this, I'm ready to move on. Um, <laughs> so from, so you said two and a half years to to now, what's your position now before I even mention it? Uh, now I'm an owner-operator, um, have been for, over a year and a half, um, and I'm leased on to a carrier. I'm actually uh, pulling tanks, uh, usually hazardous materials. 
So just okay. nine months oh. after nine months after becoming a new CDL holder and uh, mm. company driver, nine months later I bought my own truck. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> you are definitely putting me to shame here because um, it took me five years. It it took me five years. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it took me five <laughs> years, and and honestly, this is this is my second truck. Like my truck that I went and I signed for and I got for myself. So, uh, you know, again, you guys are extremely impressive. You guys, you come in, you get what you need to get, and you keep it moving. You don't second. It seems like a lot of you all don't second guess yourself. Did you ever go through a period of that, or did you just say, okay, I got this, I got the basics, so you know what, I'm moving on. Was it just like that? Uh, I would like to say that it was just like that, but no. Um, Honestly, I went through weeks of hesitation and almost, contemplating going back to being a company driver but um I just knew that I had I had to push forward I I was scared I didn't I had a lot of people around me you know telling me no it's not going to work out it's too risky you don't have enough experience you don't know enough about running your own business you know all of these things um that did kind of make me second guess myself at times but um I just pushed through and said, you know, this is what I want. And even if I fail, I, I'm just, I'm going for it. So okay, I, I don't regret that at so, all. I'm glad that I. Right. So with, um, okay, so you ran, you ran for Snyder. So straight out of trucking school or did you go to Snyder's actual school? Uh, I actually put myself through trucking school and then went over to Schneider. Okay. All right. All right. Same thing I did. I I did the same thing. I did not uh, get resources from anyone else. I uh, paid cash out of pocket to go to school because the one thing when I was doing research about it, you know, it was the contracts. And what I did not like was this whole thing of having something over my head Uh, if I wasn't happy with the situation and then if I wasn't happy with the situation, it was going to hit my credit. So that, that's one of the craziest things of when you're making that decision and dealing with the contractual uh, part of going into trucking. So after working for Snyder, how was it going through Snyder? Snyder was one of my choices, but I went on to Stevens Transport. Why did you pick Schneider to begin with? I picked Schneider because of all the other companies I spoke to at the time. They had the shortest training period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm I'm not exactly the most patient person in the world, <laughs> so I like okay. for things to happen quickly. Uh, when I okay. heard that they their entire training process was three weeks, and only one week you're on the road with a a driver trainer, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all for it. Wow. So one week, <laughs> that's it? 
Yes. <laughs> One week you're on the road with a driver trainer. I can't even fathom that. I actually <laughs> was on the truck with someone for six weeks. Very six common. Week. Uh, a lot of these companies are months even. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's a while. So a- after getting off the trainer's truck and doing it, doing it yourself, did you run in, in like a Midwestern region or where, how did Snyder have you running since you're out of Colorado? I was running. Yeah, I was running team, and um, I ran all 48, actually. Within that first nine okay. months, I had been to every state in the U.S. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, they can definitely get it out you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so after running running team, obviously team wasn't what you had in mind for yourself or it just wasn't in the cards for yourself. Um after running team, uh, how long were you solo there, or did you immediately change over to owner-operator? Yeah, after running team, um, once once we split apart there, I actually made the transition to owner-operator immediately mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. ran uh, solo as a new owner-operator for uh, about a year. Uh, before okay. my current boyfriend came on the truck with me. Okay. All right. So just tell us about some of your experiences about uh, being out there by yourself before uh, doing what you're doing now. Uh, you know, the first time that I left home, because um, after I split from my ex and I went back home to Colorado and I was staying with my family while I was looking for a truck to buy. And um, okay. the first the first time that I got on the airplane, flew out to, to my truck and was by mm-hmm. myself, that first night was the hardest. I mean, I was kind of terrified <laughs> um, okay. just to really be out here and doing it by myself. There was definitely some uh, fears, but I also felt very empowered. I felt like, you know, um, I have the freedom to do this and I want to do this. And no matter what, like no one can stop me. And so um, I, I just, I just powered through that. But for the year that I was out here by myself, I was running all 48 and it was amazing. I, never had a bad day you know I just always got to meet wonderful people I mean I still do um but you know just meeting strangers everywhere and getting a chance to talk to people and um people give you a lot of respect as a female trucker um Mm -hmm. you don't really run into as you know you know as a driver you've been driving for many years um for the most part people tend to really look out for us. And that that's always made me feel really good. Okay. Hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, what was the most complicated load? Because, again, we don't want this to just sound like you, you just, it was just all easy. 
you know, take us through some of some of those times. You know, uh, again, you know, I I wanted this to be, you know, real experiences for for some of the ladies that may be listening. So they, you know, they can definitely get a feel for it, but not have limitations out here. So what were some what were some of the obstacles you had to get over being out by yourself when you're guiding yourself and you're having to go off of your own intuition and your feelings? Mm, yeah, that's, that's a great question because um, that definitely comes into play. I think many times uh, one of the first probably I would consider complications I had was uh, I had to make a delivery later than normal. I tend to, when I'm running by myself, I tend to keep it during daylight hours. Uh, so by the time it's time to shut down, it's dark outside. I'm in my truck, I don't really leave. I feel safe. Um, one of the complications that I ran into one time was the load got pushed back, and I had to deliver it at about 8.30 at night. <clears throat> and this is down somewhere uh, I want to say this was in Alabama, um, mm-hmm. small town, and I'm at this receiver, and there's, you know, there's gentlemen everywhere, um, and that, you know, they're trying to talk to me or whatever. They see that I'm a female driver. Then I had an issue with a headlight, so I'm out there trying to fix that. And then, of course, you know, people are seeing me out there by myself uh, messing with my light. Um, but I had to sit there at this receiver until they could unload me. By the time they unloaded me, I was out of hours. I couldn't leave. Um, and I felt very uneasy that night. Uh, it, was, it was probably one of those moments where you kind of wonder if you're making the right choice. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it was nothing. You know, it's hard to say. Nothing happened to me, obviously, but... Uh, I, I felt really nervous about being there by myself all night and all of these men who knew I was there by myself. Um, so I, I did the, if you, if you guys see in the post, a lot of women will like tie their doors together. Which right. Which now is probably not the best thing in the world to do. But right. at the time I was like, oh, let me just get a ratchet strap and tie my doors together. You know, so that way people can't get into your your doors. Um, And somehow that kind of helped me feel a little bit better. I I turned all the lights in the truck on and slept with all of the lights on just so that someone would think that, you know, I I didn't go to sleep or they couldn't sneak up on me type of thing. And um, got very little sleep that night. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, you know, nothing happened. I'm thankful for that, so. Other than that, you know, I really haven't had too many mm, – I, I can't really think of any other times that I felt scared or anything like that. I mean, there's there's kind of always a little bit of a – not necessarily fear, but – just knowing that you have to be cautious. As women on the road, we have to always be more cautious than we maybe would otherwise be. 
because we're Absolutely. surrounded by men constantly, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, especially if it's, you know, nighttime or especially if you recognize that you're in a place where there's not a lot of other people around you. Um, it just really taught me to, to be more cautious. Always, you know, look over your shoulder. Always, you know, don't don't step out of the truck and be listening to music or have your headphones on in both ears and you can't hear anything else that's going on around you. You want to be aware of your surroundings. All the time. Absolutely. Always, always paying attention to what's going on around you, where you have to park. You know, sometimes you end up being in um, certain situations and places and stuff and Sometimes the back row is the only place where you can get a park. You know, at that time, once you make that, and this is just a tip for anyone that may be listening, um, you can come into a truck stop and survey the truck stop and say there's only the back row, and that's the only place where it's empty. Well, that would be the time to make the decision to possibly stop in the fuel aisle and go in, wash your wash your uh, face, brush your teeth, do some essential things and then wait until daybreak and go in and take a shower before you leave in the morning time. You know, um, just going on to get that parking spot so you'll be able to get some, uh, to get the proper rest. And then again, like I said, you can go in and take care of yourself in the morning time. You know, it's, it's better to wait in the morning time than to put yourself in, into a situation. Um, for sure. My next, right? My next question for you, um, as a as a younger female, and definitely in this industry, what are some what are some of the hurdles that you faced coming into shippers and receivers when it was just only you by yourself? Um, the assumptions and things that you may may and have run into. I mean, because they definitely <laughs> still happen. Nothing to report. It is what it is. It's just par for the course. That's how I see it. But you know, for right. you being being younger, you know, how have you had to deal with that? Uh, you know, I get a lot of. Uh stairs or, or people who just will ignore me because they don't think that I'm a driver <laughs> or, you know, they, they make the, the little remarks, Oh, you're not a driver. Um, there's no way you're driving that truck or whatever. And half the time mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's them being cutesy and the other half, it might be a little condescending. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've, I've, it, it, I've actually just gotten used to it. You know, I, I even got to a point where I would put on the uh, safety vest anytime I leave the truck because that's <laughs> kind of the only way people might recognize that I'm, you know, a, a driver or someone at least associated with this industry, <laughs> not just some yeah. woman walking around. Right. So. Right. Right. And and with you bringing that up, I, there have been um, several situations in the past, not here lately, that I have seen where people um, in certain states, I'm just going to keep it real, in certain states when we are out, say that it's 
is during the twilight hours, you know, as the sun of the sun is going down and it's you know, it's starting to set and you're walking into a truck stop. I will say like here uh in the Atlanta area, um, there are truck stops. There is one truck stop that I know for certain if you don't have your ID on you, you probably won't be able to go into the truck stop because of things that have happened there in the past. Um how has that been for you, or have you ever even faced that? Because, again, I know those type of things happen here in Atlanta. They happen in Dallas and also in Oklahoma, um, because those are a lot of the things that a lot of people, excuse me, women, they they seem to complain about. They always get um, – people always Treated think like that they are <laughs> – Right, that that they're more than what they say that they are, and and to the point of asking you for your license, and that's why I would always say keep your CDL on you, all of the time. Keep your CDL on you and have your key on you. Um, I've had an instance in in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona, um, at this very famous truck stop, and. I'm not going to mention it because you never know who's listening. So a very, very famous truck stop, a place where you would go in and mostly on the operators park there anyway, and you get your truck washed and get your rims polished and all that good stuff. So um, going in there one morning and the owner of the truck stop happened to be a, a woman. She is a woman. And another female came in the truck in a, excuse me, in the bathroom, and I guess she was uh, a part of the staff. She spoke. I spoke. I was brushing my teeth and doing what I had to do, and this other lady walked in, and she asked me, who was I? And I kind of looked at her strange, and I was said, I'm a driver. I said, I stayed here last night. No, you're not a driver. There's no way you're a driver. I said, yep, I'm a driver, and I still remember really? my truck number. I said, my truck number is 2452. I said, it's Hill Brothers. It's out there. She actually walked to the truck with me and watched me put the key in the truck because she did not she did not believe that I was a truck driver, you know. Wow. And, and you know, in 2020, you are still facing some of those issues in some uh, in some parts of the country because, again, there are women who are very much in in touch with their feminine side. So you know. Uh, Again, you know, just putting that out there for some of the other women that may be listening that, you know, there are a lot of us that have gone through that very thing. You know, one young lady was saying how she got harassed from her truck all the way to the truck stop by a security guard because he did not believe she was a truck driver. Wow. I I haven't faced that um most commonly it's the drivers who actually like act like I'm not a truck driver and they'll flash their lights at me if I'm walking by or stick their head out the window and try to, you know, do, do their cat calls and all that. Um, Absolutely. But no, I have, I haven't had staff uh, address me in that way, but geez, that, that's, I hope I never see that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that look, that's the life of a solo driver. So, you know, um, having to 
not have been a team driver ever outside of I used to train for uh, Swift uh, several years ago. Um, that's as close that it's ever gotten team for me. But being a solo driver, because I love driving solo, um, I couldn't see it any other way. And speaking about being a team, how is it being a team? It's great. I think um, it really depends on the person that you're with. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, I tried it once before, and it was just not okay <laughs> by any means. Mm-hmm. It was a nightmare. Um and and that's also why it was very short lived there. But uh, now, my boyfriend who I'm with, he we've been friends for over four years uh, before we started okay. dating, so it's very comfortable. Um, and I think for anybody, team driving, you have to be very comfortable and very respectful of each other's, uh, you know, simple things. You know, if if I want to make sure that I always have water in the case next to me while I'm driving every morning, you know, simple stuff like that. Um, just making sure that we meet each other's needs because this is basically living in a closet together and right. <laughs> there's no space to get away. So uh, for us, it works really well, but I know that for a lot of people, that's not necessarily the case and it can be really difficult. Uh, if I was fussing and fighting every day, I definitely would not want to team drive with anyone, be it a spouse, a friend, a family member. Uh, I don't think that's worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving away from Snyder, going to go get your truck, explain that process to those who may be thinking about saying, okay, I've been driving this year, I've been driving this nine months or these six months, okay, I think that I'm ready. What was that process for you? Now, when I made the change, uh, Schneider had a policy that so long as you were driving with them for 10 months, uh, you could get a leash truck. Okay. Um, I, I somehow slipped through the cracks <laughs> at nine months, so okay. they were able to make that work for me. But now okay. their policy is one year. Okay. And, uh, but I went through SFI, which is a Schneider Finance. They are a separate company from Schneider. Um, and so you can lease a truck through them, and you can take it to other companies if you wish. Uh, right. They just have to ensure that the company meets their insurance requirements, which most reputable companies do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I got the truck through Schneider. I stayed with them um, all the way up until actually Jan- uh, December of 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the good thing about leasing a truck onto Schneider that I really, really enjoyed, and I I promote it for everybody because to me it's a great place to start and for you to get a good feel without feeling like somebody else is controlling your business um, right. because they have the the load board. And it's, you pick right. your own loads. What you see is what you get. You know, um, it, it makes it very convenient. And from what I've learned about a lot of other companies, that's not always the case. 
Uh, maybe you're having to bid for loads. Maybe you're having to uh, build relationships with brokers. And that's great and all. I just think as a new owner-operator, um, it's really nice to have the convenience of just running it all yourself and knowing what to expect as far as the numbers go. Right. So, absolutely. Um, going on going on the low board and, and doing those type of things, it, it can be a, a very daunting task sometimes, and I don't want to make anybody feel any kind of way about that, but it, it definitely can be tasking because it's not only the um, – the brokers that you're or the agents that you're having to deal with sometimes it's other drivers coming, coming in and maybe saying, well, Hey, look, I'll do it for this price. You know? So, right. Um, it may, it may be, be on the board for one thing, but it end up being something else. And I'm sorry, before we get all the way in, one thing I forgot to do for anyone that may be interested in calling in and speaking to our guest tonight, Ms. Simmons, please give us a call at area code 914-205-5328. Again, that's 914-205-5328. Now, going back to the low board, um, did you find it profitable to run in one area, or um, did you basically run the low board all over the place? I ran the load board all over the place, um, but I did find that I made the most money with less miles running the northeast region. Right. And I, I think most truckers know that. That's kind of a standard. <laughs> uh, the area where nobody wants to run is where you typically make mm-hmm. the most money. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, but I, I'm and I'm glad that you said that because I, I – I think a lot of people don't get that. And, and because everybody always want to be in the most popular place. And the most popular places are always from Texas back over t- into Florida, back down to Florida. Everybody wants to run that, that Southeast corridor. And that, right. that corridor always starts from the I-35 corridor, I-20 East coming all the way back through Georgia, back all the way across South Carolina. And that is the reason, and excuse me, and then back down I-75 and I-95 into Florida, that's another reason why the freight is so crazy and, and why they can, you can get something over in the, in, in the upper Midwest, getting something almost $3 a mile, but you'll come back over here right in Atlanta, which is a huge freight hub, but you'll still see something sometimes for a dollar fifteen ninety eight cents. And again, I'm no longer on the low low board, thank God. But that was that used to be the hardest thing getting out of here. And I used to uh, go over to Alabama in order to leave the house about a about a hundred and twenty mile, hundred and thirty mile deadhead, or either up to um, excuse me, back up to ten back up to Tennessee in order to get out to go and do what I have to do because it's so much competition right here in, in this market. 
Yeah. Like you said, that's the popular place. That's where everybody wants to be. And, and where a lot of people mm-hmm. live. So everyone wants yeah, to Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's... But I found that running all over and just, just following the money, I've always – one of the greatest decisions I ever made is I – renting. I, I sold up my vehicle. I, I really just cut all my expenses down. So it was never about needing to get back home anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It was just about trucking. You know, it's, it's always been, still is till this day. Um, I, I'm, I'm buying real estate, but it's not to live in. It's not to go take off time in. It's to make money off of. So my expenses are very minimal. And that right. that being the case, I can just follow the money. If there's a good load going to... Wisconsin. Well, I don't have any business in Wisconsin or family in Wisconsin, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> you know. And, and, and speaking of, because you're saying that you follow the money, like what what motivates your hustle? Because again, most people, the only thing they they talk about is getting home, getting home. And what? Mm-hmm motivates your hustle? What makes you say, you know what, let me get out here and really get it? What motivates you? I want to be retired by 30. (laughs) Okay. That's what motivates me. (laughs) Within the next four years, I want to be no longer working for money. If anything, I'll work for fun. (laughs) Um. But I really, I, I look forward to the day that I become a mother. So I want to okay. be in the position to be able to spend a lot of time with my children uh, when that day comes. And I feel like the more that I work and hustle now, the more that I can build that lifestyle that I want for myself, my future husband, my future children, um, to not have to worry about money anymore. And that's that's really my motivating uh, factor. There's the the lifestyle that I want and the financial freedom to be able to see that, you know. Right, right, all right. So um, now, as an owner operator and doing what you're doing, are you currently still with Snyder, or where are you now? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so uh, we left Schneider um, in December of 2019 and got our hazmat licenses and uh, decided to come over to uh, the tanker company. Um, I- I'm not going to mention the company's name just for, no for personal reasons, but um, sure. we-, we decided to lease onto this company and it's been amazing. It, it, well, first, it was terrifying, <laughs> but now it's been amazing. Uh, okay. Learning, going from dry van to tanker is such a huge difference. How so? Handling. Um, it does not matter how heavy you are in a dry van you still have probably 50% more control of that vehicle than you do if you're even halfway loaded with a, a tanker. Okay. Um, 
because of the liquid moving. And we our tanks are never baffled. Uh, the baffles are like oh, okay. separators within the tank that right. keep the uh, liquid from moving front to back as much. Right. Uh, so we don't have that. So you feel every uh, yeah, surge every slide, liquid every, movement. Right, every surge, back and forth. Right, yeah. yeah. So you guys are stopping way before the light. <laughs> way, <Yeah>. yes, way. <laughs> Yeah, because that surge uh, will push you. Yes, and it'll push you downhill. I mean, downhill, fully loaded, dry van. You're going to press on the brake. You're going to get your jigs on, right? Maybe maybe a yeah. second level on your jigs to hold the gear. And you'll typically be fine. And this right. thing, you, jigs one and two are a joke. <laughs> you, your your jigs have to be on like level three minimum to even do anything, and and the foot brake, forget about it. It's not slowing down anything. <laughs> okay. It's it's different. It's different. Okay. Wow. What made you guys make the decision to to go to? Um, to go to uh pulling tanker. I, I know well like when I was um and I will mention, you know, I mean, it doesn't make a difference. When I was um at Landstar, I noticed that there were a lot of uh Snyder Snyder trucks there. So what made you all do something different than drive in or either go and haul a reef or what made you go and do tanker and then hazmat on top of that? Uh, that's a good question. And I used to always say I would never. <laughs> I, I'll never go tanker. I'll never pull hazmat. It's too risky. It's too dangerous. It's not worth it. That's what I used to say. Uh, my friend who is an owner-operator as well, he actually started at Schneider with me the same day. And we've we've maintained a friendship over the last year and a half. And his son has been at this company for over five years and they were always talking about, you know, how good the pay is. And everybody talks about that, right? Everybody says their mm-hmm. company pays. About always it. the money. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they were actually showing me his settlement. And oh, wow. okay. so then my friend, he decided to leave Schneider and go over to the company and pull tanker. And I was like, all right, you know, you can be the send me your settlements. Let me see if this is really if this is really bad it or not. And I saw it. I was like, okay, it's, it's better money. So, I mean, to me, that's all that matters. That's what I'm out here for is, is the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just, I, I love your spirit. I just love how you said, screw it, I'm going to go do it, whatever. You know, I am... <laughs> taking advantage of this moment in my life when I don't have any obligations and I am just going to go and and do it. So you're saying that you've been in all the state and and doing what you and doing what you do. Going into all the states and because you're hauling the hazmat, I'm sure that you're going into some very interesting territories. Some of the on some of the reservations and in some of the oil fields. 
Now, how has that been going up, up into maybe Montana and the Dakotas? I've been in the oil fields in Texas, and I know that's nothing into comparison with going up into the into the Dakotas and Montana. How has that been? I actually haven't been up there. Mm-mm. You haven't? Um, okay. No, but the closest I've came to any type of oil, anything, is uh, down in Freeport, Texas, a big plant. Uh, okay. Houston. Okay. Tank full so of that petroleum. would be easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know all about Freeport. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I hauled <laughs> quite a bit of hazmat for Landstar from Freeport back down into uh, Tampa, Florida. So, yeah, very, very familiar with that area. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it's different for sure. The places that you go, but um, just you know, you got to be more cautious. That's all. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you pulled some hazardous stuff, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's different from just mm-hmm. the regular drive-in world, family oh, dollar, definitely. and you, you kind of just whip around and do whatever you want uh, when you're cool. Yeah. When you're pulling hazardous. You just have to be a lot more cautious. Right, yeah. You know, you, you have to get used to the PPE equipment and all that stuff. So, you know, for for those who are always wanting to be fashion forward, I mean, get your, <laughs> get your pink hazmat stuff together because, I mean, you know, you, you have to be PPE um, compliant because if not, you will not get into those areas. You have to be ready. And not only that, ready as far as your equipment is concerned, you got to be ready uh, mentally. And that's another thing to ask you, um, and you sound mature, but I'm just still going to ask the question, mentally how has it been going into these places and having to comply to some of these rules? Because I know for some drivers, for some of the smallest things, they complain so with going in and watching videos and doing all these type of things when you're going into uh, some of these areas, you know, how has that been? Because some of these places in themselves can be very unsanitary, and even oh, yeah. when they're trying to tell you to be clean and not be doing all types of things. So how has that been going into some of those areas? Yeah, I mean, you definitely see a lot of uh, a lot more regulations at some of these places, and I think probably the most shocking to me so far has been um, uh, some of these plants that, are, that require you to check in your cell phone, any electronics right. in and locked up at the front gate. And uh, at first, I was kind of uneasy about that. You know, I'm like, well. You know, even practically speaking, what happens in the case of an emergency? Uh, this is a big plant, and I know the <laughs> section of the plant that I have to go to. It's kind of secluded. You know, I, I'm sure y'all have all of these game plans for what happens in worst case scenario. But my game plan is call somebody, <laughs> you know, nine one one something, and I don't even have a phone, so I can't do that. That just kind of makes me feel a little uneasy. Uh. But, you know, it, it is what it is. We have to comply. There's no sense in whining about it. Um, just, just, you know, get in, get out, and get about, go on about your day. 
Right. That's how I see it. Yeah. And and that's the, the thing that people need to understand, whether it's tanker, flatbed, anything that's specialized, you you have to end up making a lot of different mental changes because you end up having to comply to a whole set of different rules um, instead of the rules that um, apply to pulling dry van and also refrigerator trailers. I mean, because basically with that, that's, that's pull in, check in, go to your spot, open your doors, and back up, slide your tandem. Okay, that's it. Or either drop your trailer or go and sit in this hole until we're ready for you. You know, so that mm-hmm. that's a easy that's an easy ordeal. But when you are when you are having to go into a specialized situation, that that's the thing I'm trying to set up for people and for them to understand now. Specialized divisions are not only going to just take the skill, but they're going to also take the maturity too. Definitely. You got to understand that um, you're not first. The safety is first. And I don't even really understand the reason to complain because while some of us can argue, you know, oh, this is my truck, this is my business, this is my whatever, you know, I want to run it how I want to run it. In all actuality, nothing in this world is truly like that. Uh, No matter what kind of, we're, we're still contractors at the end of the day, right? Whether we have our own authority or we are leased onto a carrier, we're contractors. Well, any type of contractor is going to be expected to meet a certain level of uh, expectations that are set before them. So, you know, being required to have to wear long sleeve shirts, sure, I can complain and whine about that because it's 100 degrees outside, but they're not just picking on me. You know, everybody has to wear long sleeve shirts because it's for the safety. Um, And I definitely think that this type of trucking requires a higher level of maturity and just understanding that it's not about you and it's it's not even about how you want to do things. It's just about trying to make it as safe as possible. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and again, um, that's the reason about, uh, about what we're doing tonight is just focusing on the things that are, are very important when you are starting to make all these different changes, because, um, once you decide you do want to become an owner-operator and make different changes and stuff, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's cool to say, yeah, that's my truck, but you have to remember, even with your own authority, you still have to uh, comply to rules. If there are a set of rules that are set in place, that's what you have to do in that case. You know, and and that's what people need to understand. You know, um, we we all have to follow rules when it when it comes to um, what we do for a living. Uh, for anyone that wants to call in or ask any questions and talk to us this evening, the phone number is area code nine one four two zero five five three two eight. And since we're we're getting very close to getting off. I want to uh, talk to you about the things that that keep you going out there. What's 
what's something that's that's inspirational and, and something that that keeps you uh uplifted? Um Nature is probably the number one thing, and that's, it sounds cliche, but uh, just looking around, you know, watching the sun rise, watching the sun set, um, just enjoying the fact that I get to be alive every day, you know. Uh, when, I, when I got into trucking, I had a realization that this is a very dangerous job, and we face we face adversity on a daily, you know, we face drivers cutting us off and blaming on their brakes in front of us and um, other drivers, you know, dang near taking us off the road because they can't get off their phone or just all kinds of things every single day um, that has made me develop a true uh, gratitude for life, just being alive because it's never promised. You know, every day we're out here, we're potentially facing – what could be our last day and you know, watching nature, watching birds, watching the trees, watch, get, getting to travel across the country and see different cities and states go from the middle of winter to spring where everything is blooming and beautiful and back again, like just simple things like that really make me happy and bring me joy while I'm out here every single day. My next question to you is this. What helped you maturity? What helped you get to the place that you are? Because you may be very young, but you are very mature, wise beyond your age. What helped you get to this point? Um, I've kind of always, really since I was probably 10, People have been saying that to me. <laughs> uh, I, I I grew up with a lot of uh, difficulty, like like most of us. Um, mm. But I've just always watched people. I've always been a people watcher. And I've always been very curious, and so I ask a lot of questions and I dive into why. You know, why do people do things that they do, and why do they regret it later? Or the opposite, you mm-hmm. know, um, what, why, mm-hmm. what makes people happy and just kind of exploring my curiosity, I guess, has made it to where I've learned a lot in a, in a short amount of time. Right. That's right. Um, I, I just, I am definitely taken aback by your, your maturity and just your your knowledge and and again you you are extremely mature beyond uh beyond your years um uh, the next thing i'm going to ask you is what is something that you are are reading what um what's something that you you read and you even uh may take into meditation um Something that I read over and over and over again is a book, Eat, Pray, Love, by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, I've probably read it six times, and I've bought multiple copies of it, and I give them away to people because although it's a very cliche book, it's very 
maybe it's not so talked about anymore these days, but when it first came out, it was the big talk. And uh, I myself was like, oh, whatever, you know, every it's a fad. People are just interested in it because it's popular. Uh, <laughs> but it's actually a very insightful book, um, especially, I think, for women. I think it's a good book for men, too, but especially for women, as it's written by a woman. Um, I don't want to give away too many details, but I think that that book has really helped me develop person. Um, And so I always go back to it because it's kind of the story of becoming and, and growing out of what we think our life is and more into what it might become if we take some chances. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I'm, I'm feeling like I, I I need a a moment of growth. I pick that book back up and I I find new gems almost every time I read it. (laughs) Okay. And and have you heard of that book before? I have, and and um, I I am a listener now more than anything, and especially because during my travels and if I am not on the phone, that is the one thing that I do. I am a subscriber of Audible, and I'm always listening to um, something inspirational, something that I can listen to. So. And that will be one that when we get off, I will definitely go and look up and download it because, again, I'm always looking for something that's going to get me through the day and, and, and keep me uh, thinking about positive things and just putting me in a def- different headspace. Um, what, what, what is something that you can, you can leave with, with us tonight, um, a, a great quote? A great quote. Uh, Well, my favorite quote has always been, uh, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that quote is by Robert Frost. Um, And to me, that just means, you know, following a different path, uh, going after something that's a little bit different, and just doing it, you know, you, you follow the road that's less traveled by. You don't think about following the road. You don't go over there as you follow the, the common path. You you just do it. Go down that path and you'd be amazed what you might find. I'm always encouraging my, my fellow sisters to just have the courage to do it, you know, no matter whatever it is. When I say it, whatever comes to your mind, do it. <laughs> And you might not be great at it at first, but eventually you'll learn, and then you can make something great out of it. Okay. So at this time, uh, Gabrielle, I'm going to ask you to plug all your social media. Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at TrekkerLadyG, uh, on Facebook, it's just my name, Gabrielle Simmons. Um, I do have a website that is in relation to my real estate investing business, uh, gquinvestments.net. Uh, GQU stands for GQ United. Um, and yeah, just check me out there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, don't really get on there very much, but 
I'm always open to text, phone calls, messages, more than happy to help you guys out uh, with trucking or real estate. Um, yeah, just shoot me a message. I'm, I'm open. Okay. All right. And at this time, I'm going to thank you, Gabrielle, very much for taking an opportunity to talk to me this evening and, and share a, a little about, excuse me, a little bit about what you've had going on with your real estate business and also into your trucking business. And I'm going to wish you much success, sister. And and I hope that you were and are as much of an inspiration to others as you have been to me. Uh, I am very impressed, again, with your maturity and how you are taking the bulls by the, by the horn. You're getting out there and you are doing it. And even for someone that, that has been out here as long as I have been out here, bravo. I am very happy for you, and I wish you much success. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the show. And I, I love being a part of the She Trucking Sisterhood, such a beautiful foundation you guys have built up. And just thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Absolutely, and we thank you. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna get ready to to get out of here. So again, I want you guys to to follow Gabrielle on all her sites. She is in the She Trucking Group, and if you guys have any questions, uh, hit her up, talk to her, ask her any questions about her career, or if you're interested in becoming a tanker driver, hell, even if you're interested in becoming an owner-operator as soon as she did. She has plenty of insight on it, and and she would also be able to give you guys some information about Snyder and what Snyder has to offer for those of you who are are, uh, coming into the industry uh, now at this time, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to us tonight. And again, follow us at SheTrucking.com, SheTrucking on IG, SheTrucking on Facebook. And for me, Tamara Spivey, you can follow me on Facebook as Tamara Spivey or either uh, Sister, Sister Blogging on, on Wheels. I'm also a, a blogger. And uh, you can send me a message through all those sites. Thank you very much for listening to us tonight, and have a great evening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.